how much does it take to get the ship rocking? Like, how does, what does that mean? We are going to all die. The how much first, do we need in 40. there? You need 40, 40 for one seat. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we're world leaders who lie, cheat, steal, and even nuke to get on board the only spaceship out of here in We're Doomed. Next up, we're great house leaders who spy, bribe, and fight to control the spice in Dune Imperium. And lastly, we're hoping to lead the way to the gold as we brave snakes, bones, and falling stones in Dungeon of Doom. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus, with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello there. Ed Povolitis. Hey, what's up? And Mike Grenier. Whoop, whoop. Our first game up this week is We're Doomed, designed by Mike Horton, published by Breaking Games in 2019, number of players 4 to 10, ages 13 and up, playtime 15 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? The cover features the busts of five stoic world leaders staring across at their reflections who all seem pretty chill considering the words we're doomed, the game of global panic, looming over their heads. When you spy inside the box, you'll discover 10 civilization cards with stands, 10 gameplay reference cards, 216 tokens, 100 event cards, two cloth bagos, and an awesome 15-minute hourglass. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we find out if this game secures the fate of humanity or fails to launch, Evan, tell us how it's played. In We're Doomed! (laughs) Players are the most powerful leaders in the world, working collectively to build a starship to escape our dying planet. But the twist is that players are not guaranteed a seat on the starship. (laughs) The goal is to build the ship and grab one of those precious seats. Play starts by initiating the 15-minute sand timer. Each round, a player performs one of the following actions. Produce to gather resource tokens. And these are the resource tokens that build the ship. The bigger the ship, the more seats. Indoctrinate to gather influence tokens. Influence tokens, make sure you get the seat on the ship. Propagandize to steal influence from another player. What? Invade to steal resources <laughs> from another player. Hey. Or nuke to eliminate another player. <laughs> now, after each player has taken a turn, players can then contribute resources to the project. The player contributing the most takes the first player marker, then they get a resource, and they draw an event card. That's where the fun happens. <laughs> Some event cards are public. And some are clandestine. Event cards can introduce new restrictions, secret missions. They can bring up ethical dilemmas or physical challenges. After 15 minutes, play stops. The player with the most influence boards the ship first. Once full, the ship launches and rockets away, while all others are left to cry out, We're doomed! We're doomed! 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 (laughs) Yeah, this would doom right from the get-go. We're doomed. Before we start with anything else, we have to say... Hourglass. Oh my god. Oh my god. When we took that out of the box, I was like, what? Oh, it had its own secret component on like secret space on the side of the box. And when you open it up, it's just this fat timer. It looks so everything was like the size of a spring water bottle. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) It was. (laughs) It was the biggest hourglass I have ever seen in a game. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 15 minute timer. It's pretty long. And I bet you'd have paid 80% of the game production went into that. And I think it was worth it. <laughs> totally worth it. And the sand was orange, which gave it this sort of nuclear or code orange sort of feel yeah, to it. Right. Mass motif of the rest of the game. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, it is the centerpiece of the game. You know, like you're, that timer times everything. It, like the game ends when that timer stops, no matter what you're in the middle of. So I'm looking at my cards, I'm looking at my player cards and the resources, but every 10 seconds, my eyes would glance to the hourglass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I was kind of laughing a little bit every time when Celeste wanted to check a rule question, she wanted to turn the timer over because like, wait, I don't want the timer to run while looking this up. <laughs> okay, but we had some legitimate, you know, things we had to clarify before we could continue, but uh, you're right. You're supposed to just turn that timer over and you got 15 minutes to make it work or not. I didn't turn it over. I just laid it down. Yeah, just paused. <laughs> Uh, if we didn't, boy, we would have been trying to interpret the rules for a good five of those 15 minutes. So, <laughs> right. But it wasn't particularly complex. We just wanted to make sure we were doing it right because 15 minutes is not a lot of time. It is no. not. And forget about having enough seats for everybody. There's no way. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. We didn't get any seats, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. No. We did not succeed at even one seat. I mean, think about it this way. So you have five options, five things you can do. One of which is grab a resource chip, but it takes like 40 of those resource chips in the project to build a ship with one seat. Yeah. So I think to get all four of us, we needed 100 or more of those chits, and there was just wasn't going to happen. No. Oh, no not the no. way we were playing, for sure. And imagine playing with 10 people. It's mm. basically just going to be everybody fighting for that one seat that gets built. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would love to play this with 10 people. The next thing after the hourglass that kind of surprised me was looking at the puck box with the cards, and it said, do not shuffle. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? What do you mean don't shuffle? Uh, but, but. Ed, you must have looked at that box six <laughs> or seven times. Like, you could not believe it. And then you're like, check the rules. He yep. could not handle it. It's like the marshmallow test for Ed. Yeah, the funny part about it is that I drew first. I was player one, and the first card I drew told me to shuffle the deck and draw another card. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing was a ruse to make you shuffle under the gun. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, it worked. It was neat. It was yeah. totally neat. It, would give, it was a complete but, laugh. But yeah. yeah, because when we unboxed it, we saw that the, the card were clearly separated. It was a black section and a white section of cards, so they're not mixed. Right. I mean, I love that this game has such a dark, solid sense of humor, which is why I was kind of flummoxed by the cover, which has like very little sense of humor in the art. Yeah. I mean, they gave it that old school, like propaganda era, like look to it. Yeah. Revolutionary war kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and I think that that was supposed to be the joke. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely didn't look like what it ended up being for sure. There's lots of swings in this game, huh? Well, just a little. Let's let me put it this way. Um, I got nuked, which means, well, you're eliminated from the game. That's what it says. I'm like, okay, so I got nuked. I'm out. But uh, someone got one of those nice event cards that says, bring someone who's out back in. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more swingy than that. Eliminated from the game and then brought back in yeah. to the game. Yeah. Cards are very strange in this game. So most of the cards play in a normal fashion. You read what it's supposed to do and then take the action. One of the cards is a persistent card, which you play it on the table. It's called Mutually Assured Destruction. And it tells you to keep the card face up. And there's a picture of a button on the card. You have to put your thumb on the button. 
Uh, so while you have your thumb on the button, anyone who nukes you also dies. They get nuked themselves. But if you take your finger off the button, you have to get rid of the card. So you're worrying about keeping one hand on this button and the other <laughs> hand to play your hand. Yeah, I wasn't so sure about the balance. I mean, it's neat that every faction had their own special power. Yay, that could be fun. <laughs> but I wasn't sure how well the balance that was because, the, oh, the one who got resources, extra resources, seemed really good. Sure, I got to be able to steal something cheaper. But if, unless they had influence on the first turn anyway, I wasn't going to steal any influence. And then, of course, influence doesn't build seats. <laughs> it does not. It just gets you on the seats that are built, if they're built. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, all I had to do was gather up enough resources, and nobody could stop me really from doing that, and then nuke someone, which is literally my special ability was removing someone from game. I mean, it seemed broken. But does that yeah. help you to win by nuking other players who are going to be gathering resources and putting them into the pile? to like? Yeah, if I can to- nuke everybody. Then I can just build it on my own. It doesn't yeah, matter if you're all dead. Nuke enough, and then, yeah. Just... <laughs> no, but it did seem very powerful. Yeah, I think they were a lot less worried about balance in this game, and more because it's so short and forgiving, I think they just wanted things to be swingy on purpose to make it wild and fun. Balance definitely was not even in this game, for sure. Yeah, I think that was, and that was part of my problem, because it's, uh, I expect at least a little balance, when it's like that far off balance, I'm like, okay, so don't take this seriously at all, apparently. <laughs> what, you don't think stealing one resource is equal to resurrect another player? <laughs> I loved the 10 count for when somebody was too slow. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot oh. about that. So when somebody was too slow, anybody at the table could just start a 10 countdown and everybody can join in. And once you count down to one, they just lose their turn. You move on. Yeah. Anybody who knows me knows that I, I'm not good under kind of time pressures like that. And so I spent most of the game trying to ignore the, the sand timer. But then I would get a card that it says, read this to yourself. And as I'm trying to read what the card does, everybody starts counting. Like I just got so, <laughs> got so <laughs> flustered. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. That's the best. It was good. The one downside is there is player elimination, so be wary that some people might have to sit out for a while. Well, only 15 minutes. Right, exactly. <laughs> that timer <laughs> helps that problem a lot. Right, but still, that might be sitting out for 10 minutes. But it did help with my role-playing, because I played the leader of a theocracy. So I died, and I was resurrected. So that, <laughs> yeah. that just gave me more, you know... Some good clout. <laughs> more clout. <Yeah. laughs> for role-playing purposes. Right. It didn't help you in the game, but yes. <laughs> Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury We're Doomed. Mikey? I'm not usually a fan of frenetic and unbalanced games, (laughs) but (laughs) because the time investment is short enough, it makes the stakes a little bit lower and the fun more pronounced. So I will dig this up. Evan? We're Doomed is a fun party game. The more players, the better. I think it's a very good warm-up game for game night. Dig it up. Ed? It's a wild and frantic party game that will definitely end soon. <laughs> and I have a fairly low opinion of party games in general, but this one is fast enough that I may not mind the 15 more minutes of being doomed. So for that reason, I'll dig it up. This is a solid party game. The more people, the more mayhem. And since mayhem is literally the theme of this game, <laughs> it works perfectly. Dig it up. So on brand. 
If you have thoughts about We're Doomed, come chat with us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. On Donner, on Blitzen, sorry. (laughs) Check out our fun pics and videos of all our games on Instagram. Our next game up this week is Dune Imperium, designed by Paul Denon. Published by Dire Wolf in 2020, number of players 1 to 4, ages 14 and up, playtime 60 to 120 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? On the cover of Dune, we see two moons floating above a nearly featureless desert planet and the words Dune Imperium in shiny metal. When you look closer, you'll find a game board, 13 wooden agent meeples, 70 wooden player pieces, 60 wooden resource tokens, 200 cards, 8 leaders, and 25 punch tokens. And that's what's in the box. Before we find out if this game is as addictive as Spice, Evan, tell us how it's played. Dune Imperium is a worker placement, resource management, and deck building game based on the elements and characters from Frank Herbert's World of Dune. Each player is a leader of one of the great houses of the Landsgrad, fighting for resources of the desert planet Arrakis, and at the same time, engaging in diplomatic measures to bring victory to your faction. As you acquire cards and build your deck, your choices will define your strengths and weaknesses. Cards allow you to send your workers, called agents, to certain spaces on the game board, so how your deck evolves affects your strategy. You might become more powerful militarily, able to deploy more troops than your opponents. Or you might acquire cards that give you an edge with the four political factions represented in the game. The Emperor, the Spacing Guild, the Bene Gesserit, and the Freeman. Draw a hand of five cards at the start of every round and alternate with other players, taking one agent turn at a time. When it's your turn and you have no more agents to place, you'll take a reveal turn, revealing the rest of your cards, which will provide persuasion points and swords for the combat round. Acquire victory points through both combat and diplomacy with the political factions, and the world of Arrakis, more commonly known as Dune, will be yours (laughs) for the taking. Spice for all. Spice, spice. (laughs) (laughs) What about the look and feel of this game? It's a brand new game. Yeah. It's clearly a much more modern update to the old Dune game. It's actually not really even similar to it at all. Correct. Yeah, that also has a brand new version out. It does. So it could be easy to confuse these two games. In Mm. fact, I did. I thought Mm. you were bringing the other game to the table the other day. (laughs) (laughs) So this one is called Dune Imperium. And at its core, it is a deck builder and a worker placement game mashed together from the designer who also made Clank. So we each are playing a leader of a house when we start Mm -hmm. the game, and we each have a special ability. Yeah, each faction has their own powers. You have unique powers where um, one of them is just something you you can do. Another one you can only activate when you play your signet ring. One of the cards in your hand or in your deck is a signet ring, right? And yeah, that's that's where the power of your house comes into play. And I kind of felt like the the balance of those powers was good because they made them all fairly weak and not super consequential. Yeah, like mine was, I think I got an extra spice. It was, right. you know, basic. Helpful, though. It, it, it helped me. Oh, yeah, definitely helpful, but not crazy on balance, which is good. Yeah, I, I thought mine was useful, too. I, I had a... Uh... What he was able to do would bring extra troops in when I had troops uh, as part of my actions. Very useful, because combat's a huge part of this game, actually. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. important. 
And it's a little bit tricky to learn, too, because of the way the military troops move. You can't use them as soon as you get them. You actually have to get acquire them, put them into your garrison, then find a way to get them onto the battlefield, which isn't always easy. Yeah, there, there are places on the board which allow you to initiate combat or send troops to battle. And there's several of them on the board. Yeah, that's one of the advantages of going later in the turn is that you can see what other people are doing to try to go to get into battle and to win that challenge. And if they don't put a lot of troops in, you can kind of sneak in there and, and catch even third place sometimes for almost nothing. It's a good point because it's not a winner-take-all. In that sense, there are second and third place rewards to be had. Although the first place rewards, I think, were much better than the second oh, yeah. place ones. Generally speaking, especially later in the game. Whew. They were huge later in the game. Yeah, it straight up moves to like two victory points, which when you're only playing a game to 10 is a, a lot. So they become more mission critical as time goes on. If you're ever going to ignore warring, do it early because later on it's probably going to be essential to fight it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this game has the classic worker placement uh, mechanic of one dude per space. Mm-hmm. Whereas other games I've played for worker placement, they almost have at least one or two spots on a board where you could place more than one worker. It's a you know an open space to multiple workers. But in this game, in Dune, it was one agent per space, and that was it. You needed some mm-hmm. kind of a special I- uh, event card that you had to draw in order to get a second um, agent onto the same space. But other than that, that's it. it you, if it's blocked, it's blocked, and you cannot get in there. Oh, I definitely felt the effects of that because I usually want to buy an extra worker early and everybody has one extra worker they can buy from landing on a certain space with the right resources. And every turn that I was like, had the money in hand, I'm ready to go get them. Somebody else jumped in there and got it ahead of me. So I was stuck for the, almost the whole game with, without the last worker. Actually, I ended the game without the last worker. So you're playing, so your four player game, one person will not have that fourth worker until at least the fourth round, if not much later. Yeah, but uh, to be honest, there's no way anybody's going to get it the first or second round anyway because well, it's so I mean, expensive. But mm-hmm. Right, but someone will be last. It's not like everybody can go grab their worker all at the same time, that, that, yep. that extra person. I found that mechanic that it wears on me. I really don't. <laughs> I don't like that mechanic. It tests your patience. <laughs> so yeah, it really does. It is very frustrating. I much prefer the bumping mechanic where if you place a worker in there the other worker gets bumped out which can actually be a benefit to the person who got bumped oh yeah you mm-hmm. get bonus for being bumped or you just board. have a worker back you know? yeah or if you really need to get your worker on that space you have to pay something additional to just mm-hmm. placing your guy there maybe mm-hmm. you have to use a resource of some kind but there was none none of that to be had yeah. there was a special card you can get out of the intrigue deck that did that but that was very rare to be able to do something very like rare it's not only one worker per place there are costs on some of these places, so maybe you can go there, but you can't afford it. Oh. The other thing is, what card you play that turn determines where you can place workers. So if you don't have the right card, yeah. Yeah. like you can't go there. Like, like, well, the space to go to the Bene Gesserit is available, but I don't have a diplomacy card in my hand. Mm-hmm. On top of that, there's also the prerequisites on some of the spaces. Like You have to have two influence on this this uh, faction before you can even go to that space. Put that one in and take a five spot. Put two in. No, seven. Why? Why? Because I, this guy. What is it? He doubles the uh, the outtake of this spot oh. that I go to. Nice. That's the first card I bought. And he stays in your hand? 
Reveal. Oh, no. That's why I'm. That's why I'm thirsty, Holmes. Thirsty. We paid up in two drip drop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I did. We're I'll, making sure that pump faces drips. Yeah, try. yeah. Make sure you pay that drip, man. Add all of the other limitations to going to a particular space to the fact that if you finally get it all together, somebody's in the spot. <laughs> yep. It's really too much. It's just too much. I saved and I saved and I earned and I. Okay, yeah. now it's time for me to make my big move. Oh, Ed's there. <laughs> what I noticed was that in the beginning of the game, it didn't matter too much because everybody only had two agents. And there were enough places to go with your cards with the, right. your beginning to. When people start getting their third agent, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it started getting a little tight. Mm-hmm. I felt it before that even. I did because if you have a plan... You know, you're really forced to change your plan if the oh. one or two spots you were banking on that turn are taken. Yeah. Uh, Celeste, we've talked often about the plan B in games. <laughs> this game, you definitely need a plan B, no doubt about it. And a C and a D. But it's, <laughs> it's tough to have a plan B in this game because you, there's a chain of events that you have to do before you can get to some of those end parts of your, your strategy. So, like, for example, I, I might need water to buy the spice space. And I need spice to get the soul credits, and I need soul credits to get my council member or an extra worker. So I can't go to any of those three other options before I get the water. But there's usually a couple other ways. Like, I really need troops. Um, the best way to go is to go to the spacing guild, but you need uh, a lot of spice to do that. If I don't have spice, well, I have money. I can go to the Lannistrad and just buy troops there. Yeah, I mean, there there's multiple ways there. to get things mm-hmm. done, but there's pretty much a great way and then a okay way and then a truly terrible, <laughs> terrible way. <laughs> like a, yeah, like a really bad True. one. <laughs> I guess it is a little bit of a lit down not to be able to use the great way because someone beat you to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you have two actions per turn, maybe three at most. And, you know, if one of them's this lame action that gets you $1 and one soul credit instead of, you know, five credits or six credits... It could really mess your whole next turn up, too. That's one thing I liked. Every single resource was very useful, I felt. Like, I needed water to do this, but I also need spike to do that. And I need some salary to do this. You wanted it all, and you can't have it all. And you have to kind of (laughs) pick and choose your battles. Yeah, they definitely left you wanting for more a lot in this game, (laughs) which is a good sign of a worker placement, I think. And speaking of choosing your battles, although there are many paths to victory... It would be, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a a path to the ultimate victory without going into combat and really trying, getting those extra victory points you need there. Because all the diplomacy and stuff is great, but battles is where the big rewards are are laid out. See, I I had kind of took a different take on that. Like, I think if you're scrapping for battle or trying to keep up with everybody else in battle, you can, if you lose that battle, you're way behind. But if you just ignore the fights for the most part and maybe just join in one big one at some point, you can still be a diplomatic person who goes up the diplomacy tracks and you can get two for each faction that you uh, rise to the top in. So if you just focused on that, that's 10 points right there. But the trick is making sure those battles are spread out, which means you're going to have to get in there at some point. Yeah, I don't think you can wholesale ignore the battle. But I think you can let some other do a lot of the heavy fighting while you focus on some other areas. Yeah, just jump in at a key moment and like take one of them. Save up for a good one. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Dune Imperium. Ed? Arrakis. Dune. Deck builder. 
<laughs> I love how well the mechanics work with each other in the game and how well they bring the theme forward, unlike some of the other deck builders I've played. I'm excited to see what my next play will bring. For that reason, I will bring my carry-all and dig up more spice. Evan? Well, Dune Imperium, I think, is exactly as advertised. Um, it's, it's an all-in-one game with deck building, worker placement, and resource management. You'll always find yourself needing that one extra resource or hoping that one card from your deck turns up in your hand. And I think that's what makes the game enticing. I love the theme and the gameplay. I'm all Dune. Dig it up. Mike? Dune had me dreaming about potential strategies because there's so many paths to victory which is, for me, a huge plus. So I have to say, dig it up. Well, despite me winning this game, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found the game nice looking and well-produced, mm-hmm. reasonably connected to the theme, but in the end, it felt drab to me and even a little tedious. Mm. So I'm going to bury it. If you have thoughts about Dune Imperium, let us know. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out our unboxing on Instagram and all our cool pics and videos. There and on YouTube. Hey, everybody. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) We want to talk about a few things that are going on with which game. First, we have got a move for our Thursday night games. We'd love to see you join us. We are moving from Twitch to Facebook Live. Yeah, Facebook. Woo. One easy click away from watching us fumble through our Thursday night games. (laughs) One of the reasons we're doing it, we we are so active on Facebook and Instagram that it just seemed like a more natural place for us to go. If you do subscribe on Facebook and Instagram, you'll be able to get notices that we're going live. And we were hoping that it just would make it easier for our fans to connect with us on our Thursday night games. That's right, because we love having you guys there. We like to mix it up with you, talk, chat, do trivia. So we want to see more of your beautiful faces in there. It's a really fun night to come and see us uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're loose. It's an easy kind of time for us to get in a game and talk to the fans. So we really love it. And we hope you join us. Yeah, join us. Do it. Join us. And we just wanted to say, if you want to become a patron of this show, and we love our patrons, we could not do this show without you guys, just go to our website, click on Become a Supporter Today. It's three bucks a month, and you get the patron-only exclusive weekly podcast that we put out. Bonus Bonus points. Bonus pointing at you. Bonus points, of which we've got 30-plus episodes. They could all be yours. Three bucks a month. It helps us immensely. We also wanted to ask if you get a chance to please leave us a like, a rating, or review on your podcatcher. Anywhere you're listening to this podcast, it would be a huge help for us to grow. And thanks so much for listening along. Guys, we have had a great ride so far. Two years in. Can you believe it? Oh, my gosh. And so many more games to review. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Our last game up this week is Dungeon of Doom. Designed by David Mayer, published by Pressman in 2002. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 7 and up, playtime. <laughs> What's happening? Not uh, listed. Uh, five coins. Uh, 45 <laughs> minutes according to board game. 45 game. minutes? 45 yeah, I, minutes. I, don't, I didn't believe that. That's why I was looking for it on the box, but I didn't see it on the box. Nine minutes per challenge? Oh. All right, Mikey. Tell us what's in this no time, timeless box. 
on the cover of Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> a giant skull laughs hysterically at its latest victim so hard that its eyeballs start to shake loose from the skull. I don't know why a skull has eyeballs, but... Thank you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Inside the box, you'll discover a laughing mechanical skull and altar, eight skull keys, an eyeball, five (laughs) golden coins, four stones, three bones, four cobras, four (laughs) map halves, and 20 challenge cards. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we navigate through the perilous pit traps of this review, <laughs> Evan, tell us how it's played. In Dungeon of Doom, the players are treasure hunters <laughs> whose actions in the dungeon will hopefully result in releasing a coin from the treasure chest. Hopefully. At the beginning of each turn, players draw a challenge card. Challenges include the eyeball, where you guess the correct spot a rolled eyeball will land. The map, where you use all your skills, right, Ed, to choose the two correct halves of the map. Uh-huh. The snakes, where you pull cobras from a vase, but only one is the correct snake. The bones, which are basically two-sided dice in the shape of bones, and you guess which side will land up. And finally, the stones, which is a take on the shell game, using four stones instead of three, but only one is the right one to choose. Anytime you are successful at a challenge, you get to take one of the eight keys. Try to unlock the chest with the key. If you choose the right key, the chest will open for you and you get a coin. But the wrong keys set off exciting electronic action. The skeleton's (laughs) teeth will start to chatter, his eyes shake wildly, and he really sounds off. You guys want to hear the sound? Oh, here it comes. Let's hear that exciting electronic action. I had nightmares about it. (laughs) look how long it goes for that right there the best part of the game right there that's the best part was it (laughs) (laughs) now do you want to know the victory conditions of this game i thought it was opening the box but you're right it's not it's not you need to you need to be successful in in challenges Open the box, but you need to you only get one coin if you're successful, but you have to do it twice. You need two coins. The first player to get oh, two man. coins is the winner and has conquered the Dungeon of Doom. Dungeon of Doom. It would be a lot easier to get to those two coins if there weren't so many lose-a-turn cards in the oh. darn deck. <laughs> Ed, did you experience anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of those. also got a couple of those. Hey, if you actually have a turn... Uh, you'll get a bonus, but you don't get a turn now. You get a better turn later, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Secret if you card. ever get one at all. That was a bummer. I thought there was a lot of opportunity in the deck to actually do some other stuff. Like uh, I think Evan brought up, take try two keys instead of one or something cool like that. Yeah, absolutely no reason for lose a turn cards. Lose a turn. It would been plenty long enough without them. Let me talk a little bit about the math of that. It's why it's so frustrating. Please. Your challenges at best give you a 33.3% chance of success mm-hmm. already. <laughs> then you're picking one out of eight different keys that are sitting there on the side to open the box. They're sticking into this contraption. This mm-hmm. is a big plastic contraption with a skull attached at the top, the treasure box in front of it. The keys go in slots in the side. The eyeball sits on top of a tube. 
<laughs> that you push it through to go down into the, the gargoyles base. And the gargoyles are at the front. This is a very high-end contraption. It's elaborate. Oh, it's good. And it actually worked. It did. <laughs> Fairly well-produced contraption. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was impressed with that eyeball slap down. <laughs> you, you, stick the ball, you stick an eyeball on top of this tube that I'm like, there's no way it's going to fall right down. But it doesn't. It sits there and it's just wide enough to not fall through the hole until you push it. Genius. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's gone through a couple of iterations and versions uh, internationally as well. Really? Oh, really? This thing has legs? Yeah, huh. Mike wanted to know why it was called Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, there's no dungeon. <laughs> it's a dungeon, a dungeon of the mind. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. Well, that speaks to Ed's comment that it's been printed so many times, it used to be called Tomb of Doom. Oh, I like that better. Why, why did they change it? Yeah, it's... You know, it's cool rhyming, and I don't know why they changed it. I think the very first version is actually a Spanish version, El Misterio de la Crypta. Uh, the crypt, <laughs> I like the that mis- even The more. mystery of the crystal? Mystery of the crypt. Of the crypt. Oh, crypt, crypt. Okay, got crypt. Yeah, it is kind of like the crypt creature from uh, that old show, yeah. Although the most recent version is 2010, Mr. Creepy Tomb of Doom. <laughs> no, they gave it a Mr. Oh, Are you serious, Mr.? <laughs> Creepy. Creepy. Oh, gee. The skull is so weird. It looks like Eddie Cantor's face, but without any skin on it. (laughs) That's true. They used Eddie Cantor. (laughs) Tell it to the skull. (laughs) I like him even better now that he has a name. Mr. Creepy. Mr. Creepy. He has got a Band-Aid on his head, but he's a skull. It's a scar of some sort. Why skulls have scars? He's got worms coming out of his mouth. Yeah, worms are there. Yeah. He's got all his teeth. He's a great dentist. I want his dental plan. <laughs> That's true. They're not yellowed or anything. That's the best part. And, oh, man. This was a sexy, sexy person when they were alive. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Mr. Creepy was a sexy person when he was alive? He was no, yes, he was known as... Uh, <laughs> he was known as Mr. Creepy. Pierre Creepy when he was alive. Pierre. Pierre Creepy. Pierre Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ed, what about these challenges? You loved all of them, right? Yeah, the, the, the challenges, <laughs> if that's the, we can call them that, are just simply guessing games. Boom, fail. Oh, did you feel challenged? I did. That was more challenging than the challenges in Twilight. All right. (laughs) It actually was. This thing has Twilight beat by a mile already. Already, In every minute. Take the challenge of the bones. Okay, the challenge of the bones says you must read it like that every time. And then and then pick up three bones. Before you toss them, guess how many bones will land on with the black dot shape? Oh, okay, yeah. The choices are zero, one, two, or three. One. I said one also. And Celeste said three. three. It's two! two. Mike and I were right. right. I get a key, and I get to try. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) But boy, it was fun pulling out a key from the side and sticking it in the box. (laughs) <laughs> to find out if it popped open and you got to take a gold coin or this. Oh, ah. <laughs> oh my God. Anybody else out there think that's way too long? <laughs> <laughs> now, if that isn't a spirit Halloween animatronic <laughs> noise, what is? 
is exactly that. Like the spirit of Halloween store. You hear that every Halloween, that exact laugh. So Celeste, you took the key out. It was the wrong key. Okay. It does the chuckle muckle, whatever you call it. And then you put the key back from the slot from which it came. And that's important because there's another aspect to this game. And that is the memory game. You got to remember who was pulling what key out from where and which ones did not work. Do you though? Yes, because it, Ed, if you didn't pay attention, you were severely hampered in this in this challenging game. Uh-huh. You have a one in eight chance of getting the right key each time, and if you don't pay attention, those are old terrible odds. That's yeah, that then one you're eight. stuck at that twelve point five percent number, but pay attention, yeah. and your your chances greatly increase. So, Ed, it was worthwhile for you to pay close attention to every little <laughs> thing going on in this in this game, right, Ed? <laughs> If you say so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, poor guy didn't... Did you even get one turn to, like, guess? Oh, I got one turn. You got one, okay. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I actually even got one turn. I got the little laughy. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, you got to do a key. All right, okay. You got one key and it mocked him and that was it. So, Evan, what did it remind you of? Uh, the Price is Right. Yeah. And why is that? Because the, all these games, all these little challenges and stuff were basically things that you have you had to do on The Price is Right at some point. You know, remembering where the keys were, pushing the eyeball down and get, you know, hoping and calling which place the Plinko would, you know, go to, um, you know, put getting the, the halves of the maps correct. Uh, I think these are all ideas based on sort of the Price is right. That's what or it reminded me of. Are these are the or is the price is right based on this game? Dungeon two. <gasps> oh yeah. <laughs> Which game no. first? Yeah, I wish. This was two thousand two, so oh, I wish we could say that. But if we were talking like nineteen seventy, then yeah, yeah, you could make a case for it. You mean it was based on basically all classic games of chance. <laughs> yeah. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury. Dungeon of Doom. Wait for it. Wait for it. And wait and wait Wait and wait. There you go. Ed? It's a nice looking toy. It's not much of a game here to speak of, though. And I would just take those challenge cards and just throw them right out. Bury this game. Call it that. Back in the dungeon from which it came. Evan? Dungeon of Doom is basically a set of zero skill challenges and a bit of a memory game by paying attention to which keys have been tried. I can see this being fun for kids around ages eight or nine, but even they will grow tired of playing this pretty quickly. Bury it. Mike? I was kind of impressed with the machine and the fact that it still worked and it was uh, well put together, but the novelty of this game wore off very quickly. And that laughing skull seemed to be mocking me after a while. (laughs) <laughs> maybe play it once but then do what you should do with skulls and bury it okay i don't know what you guys are talking about the quality <laughs> mechanisms of this game alone are a marvel and they are worth having but add to that that it's a pretty clever set of replayable challenges Ooh, and what i mean by clever is the mechanism not the actual challenges oh so I'm digging it up. Nice. Wow. All right. If you it. have thoughts about Dungeon of Doom, Tomb of Doom, De Mystery <laughs> Le Crypt, or whatever it was, <laughs> let us know. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And check out all our fun pics and videos. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Please reach out to us. We're everywhere on social media. 
If you have a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, or a review anywhere. And if you would like to become a supporter of this show and get exclusive access to our patron-only podcast, Bonus Bonus Points. Bonus Points. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. Today. Do it now. You can also check us out on Discord. Our Discord server link is up on our website and Patrons get access to exclusive channels. Happy gaming, explorers! Doom, Dune, and Doom all in the same show. (laughs) Control the Doom. Control the universe. Doom, Doom, Doom! (laughs) 